Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. 30 seconds and counting. There were plenty of years where there were guys who would dread being drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Not anymore. Astronauts report it feels good. Two minutes, 25 seconds. Brandon Bean realizes they're in a window of two to three years max to get this done while the iron's still hot. And getting Von Miller into that situation was big for the Bills. Ten, nine. Oh, baby. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. smoke break live on the buffalo fanatics youtube channel a different location as usual a different time as usual but the same great smoke break and the same great buffalo fanatic fans joining me in the chat this evening thanks for spending your monday night with me lots to talk about what an exciting weekend for the buffalo bills and us fans this much closer. We are officially Josh Allen days away from kick. 17 days, almost to the minute, until the Bills take on the L.A. Rams at SoFi. We are this close, baby, and we got a sweet, sweet taste of what we could expect this season this past Saturday. My God, was that a treat. We'll get into that, of course, throughout the show, but it's hard not to just express my overwhelming excitement that Saturday brought me because, you know, not only was it your first taste of Josh Allen for the season, you felt like you had been deprived. You know, the second Josh Allen took the field, you just felt it. I mean, I know I got goosebumps when Catalana said, and out comes Josh Allen, and I'm like, oh, baby, it is here. Football is here. Bill's football is here. And my God, they did not disappoint. We will get into that game in depth throughout the show. As you can see tonight, bit of a different setting than normal, a bit of a different time as usual. I'm at my girlfriend's house this evening down in Rockland County. And the reason I'm a bit late tonight is because we were at my girlfriend, Caroline. Here she is. We were at her nursing graduation this evening. Caroline just graduated nursing school tonight. So we were at the ceremony celebrating her uh, her super proud of miss caroline over here and she's uh my first live guest member i've had in a very long time kind of it's kind of exciting 
I don't usually have a live crowd. Usually it's me, myself, and I in the room. So, yes, I see a lot of congratulations in the chat. She appreciates it. I appreciate it. And uh, you want to say thank you? Thank you, everybody. Yes, a lot of people are saying congratulations. Aww. They're very proud of you. Thank you. They know you. Caroline's been in the <laughs> chat plenty of times, usually weekly, although recently you were a little bit inactive because you were getting ready for graduation. But now you're a working girl, yeah. so you'll be free. Very happy with your bills. Love it. And Caroline's all in on the bills this year. As soon as she saw that the bills have an, uh, a shirt now at Abercrombie, she's all in. By the way, this is where I got this. That's when you know we've made it, folks. That's when you know we've made it. The Buffalo Bills have their own merch line at Abercrombie and Fitch. I mean, give me a break. During the during the drought days, you weren't finding you weren't finding Bills gear at your local A and F. So you know I had to pick it up. Spent way more than I want to admit because uh, it's Abercrombie and Fitch for you. But hey, if it's got the Bills logo on it, you know by now I'm swiping the card. So like I said, Caroline's graduation was tonight. I'm down in Rockland County. That's why I'm late. But you know I'm still coming to you. Brought all the gear. So we're in a different bit of a uh, different setting and we will carry on with tonight's smoke break from here. And boy, do we got a lot to get into tonight. I really wanted to be able to just open up the show with Saturday since there was just so much to talk about from that game and so much to really get those juices flowing. I mean, I just, as I was watching that game Saturday, all I could think is, man, how are they going to blue ball us like this? Josh Allen comes out with that drive in the beginning of the game and we just get blue balled. We only get that little bit of Josh Allen led Bill's offense until two weeks from now or so. I'm like, Oh my God, it was the biggest tease, but we got lucky. The whole rest of the game was extraordinary. So of course we'll get down into depth with uh, about that game against the Broncos throughout the show. But we start today, big news coming out of Buffalo today, a variety of different news topics, but we'll start with perhaps the biggest or definitely the biggest, rather the bills dealing Cody Ford, Cody Ford, no longer a Buffalo Bill as of today. Brandon Bean deals Cody Ford to the Arizona Cardinals for a 2023 fifth-round draft pick. As we know, next week, the Bills need to cut their roster down to 53 men. Today, I believe it was down to the 80-man roster or so, or, or that's tomorrow, either today or tomorrow. But, you know, cuts needed to start being made. Moves needed to start being made. And the Bills make three moves today in order to free up uh, some space on their roster to get down to that 50, uh, th that 53 man. Now, of course, Cody Ford is the biggest story today. Just a few years ago, the bills take him second overall thinking he's going to be a pivotal part of the bills offensive line in the future. It really just not wound up. It never wound up panning out into what the bills thought he could be at the guard position, you know, for the bills based on where they drafted him. And of course he was drafted, to uh, play the tackle position, wound up moving to guard. And, you know, even though he, he had some spurts of, uh, you know, he had some spurts on the line where you thought he could succeed for this Bills team, he could wind up being a cornerstone of the Bills line. It just not, it, it never wound up panning out. And you look at who they do have on the line this year. And of course, you know, the Bills offensive line is not, at least on paper, a top tier, you know, best in the league. But they got some guys right now, especially compared to what we've had in the past. They have definitely got some guys. They have guys in position to be able to compete week in and week out for a starting role. And I just think when you look at the roster currently, the odds of them having to keep perhaps an extra wide receiver just based on how well they've been playing, there's different moves you have to make. Cody Ford just wound up not being in the cards. 
So with this move, I, like I said, the Bills pick up a fifth-round draft pick for next year's draft from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals were decimated at the offensive line. They have one of the worst offensive line units in the league going into this season, large part due to the fact that they have suffered plenty of injuries on that offensive line. But the move makes sense for Arizona. They, ha they had to ha add somebody to the line, especially after the money you just pay Kyler Murray. That line is shot. So that's a move right here that makes sense for Arizona. They're going to, of course, try and hope to get more out of Cody Ford than the Bills did. But that, to me, is why that move makes sense. I think the move for Brandon Bean at this given moment was very smart because Cody Ford looked good on Saturday against the Broncos. But stop me if you hurt anybody who didn't. I mean, really, you'd be hard-pressed to find me a guy who didn't have a good day against the Broncos on Saturday. It seemed like I could have went out there and ran through these holes that the offensive line was opening up. I could have caught balls from uh, Allen, Keenum, Barkley, the way they were throwing the ball, putting up historic quarterback ratings one after the other after the other. Um, but Cody Ford did have a good day on Saturday as far as visuals were concerned. Uh, that doesn't hurt in negotiation. Brandon Bean sees that, takes the opportunity, moves on from Cody Ford today, deals him to the Arizona Cardinals for a fifth-round pick. Now, that's going to that's gonna free up about $1.5 million off the salary cap for the Bills in 2022, and they'll absorb just over a $900,000 dead cap hit, uh, accounting for the bonuses that were owed to Cody Ford uh, this season. So that's the financials behind it. And that's kind of what went down today between the bills, Cody Ford and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, if you look at what the lines got going on as of right now, you're wondering, okay, Cody Ford's out. So what, what is the circumstance going to be week one? Who's going to be where? Who's going to be starting? Like, well, like I just said, you know, it might not be the best offensive line in the league, but it's definitely not near the worst. I mean, the Bills definitely have guys right now, and I think a decent amount of depth as well, too, that are in a in a position to really succeed this year. We've seen how well the offensive uh, run game and pass game has been in this short period of time in this offseason. And I thought up until, you know, right now, I've had no complaints as far as the offensive line is concerned. It's young. There are guys that, of course, we trust, like Deion Dawkins, like bringing in Roger Saffold, a veteran. So you have that presence. Mitch Morris been around forever. We, we know where he'll be. And then you got guys like Ryan Bates, who I think came into this team last year and was the immediate spark plug for the Bills running game. We've been over this time and time again. Devin Singletary in this offensive running attack did not hit stride last season until Bates hit the lineup. I got a ton of, I got a ton of confidence in Ryan Bates on this offensive line this coming season. And then right tackle to me gets interesting. I don't know who exactly is going to take that spot day one. Is it going to be Questenberry or is it going to be Spencer Brown? I'd like to think it's Spencer Brown, but he's been injured almost the entirety of this, uh, this off season here up until this moment in time, we haven't been able to see much of him. Questenberry has looked decent. So there you go, folks. That's your offensive line. And you look at that and you, and you really do say to yourself, where was Cody Ford going to fit into there anyways? I mean, maybe he would have been a, a rotational guy like he has been. Eighth, ninth in the roster as far as the depth chart is concerned for offensive line. But you take a look at that, that depth chart here, right? You got Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Bobby Hart, who I know, listen, I get it. But I think, I think many folks today would much rather have Bobby Hart on the roster than Cody Ford, the way I've seen the sentiment around Cody Ford be throughout social media and the Bills fans uh, in general. But you got Dawkins, Saffold, 
Bobby Hart, you know, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, Van Rotten has looked good in spots this offseason. And then you got Questenberry and Spencer Brown. So the Bills lose a guy on the offensive line today in Cody Ford. But based on what I've seen, and this is my personal opinion too, I just don't think many people are like, oh my God, I can't believe we lost Cody Ford today. You know, it's just not, it's that, that, that just goes to show you if, if you're up in arms, upset that you had to get rid of a guy in order to keep others, you'd hear about it. When you see Cody Ford being let loose, no one's got to complain. And when you look at that roster, I don't really know where Cody Ford was working into it anyways this year. Arizona was sort of desperate at the offensive line position. Bean strikes, gets a fifth rounder. You know, in hindsight, you wonder, you wonder really if that was probably the best offer they even could have approached. I don't know how many people were offering up a fifth rounder for Cody Ford. So I like the move and I give credit to Brandon Bean for doing it at the right time. Cody Ford looks good uh, on Saturday. They got to cut the roster down anyways. Arizona's in a position to bring in an offensive lineman. It hit on all cylinders. Brandon Bean moves off of Cody Ford. He is now an Arizona Cardinal. And we'll see how the, the line winds up panning out as far as starters are concerned as we approach the season. And we will know for certain, of course, 17 short days from tonight. Brandon Bean wasn't done there, though, today. A couple of other moves. One that I know has got me fired up, and I'm sure the rest of Bill's Mafia, we officially have our starting punter for the season, and it's the guy we all hoped it would be. It's the guy we all expected it to be. And after that 82-yard punt in the opening preseason game against the Indianapolis Colts, it was all but inevitable, and today it became locked under key. Punt God. Matt Areza is your new punter number one for the Buffalo Bills. Matt Areza wins the job over Matt Hawk, who was released by the Bills today. And I think that this is something that everybody saw coming. I know it was being touted as more of a punting competition than it seemed to be. You kept hearing, oh, it's a punting competition. These two are battling it out. We'll see what happens. I think it was just a matter of time. You don't often even draft a punter. The fact that you do do that, you bring in a guy who has like Josh Allen type potential, but at the punter position, just an unreal freak of an athlete who can do things with his leg that almost nobody has been able to do before in the punt game. He also can truck stick you on a tackle. And as I'm seeing Colin coming in here and saying, he's the hold God. That is the one thing that we needed to make sure he was able to do accurately. Can he hold the ball for Tyler Bass appropriately? So that is not something that we have to worry about. Well, up until now, wasn't a problem, hasn't been a problem, and don't foresee it to be. They see they see Matareza much more than we do in practice. If that was a problem, I'm sure we would have heard about it. I'm sure that would have factored into this decision. It's really not often you wind up going with a rookie punter. It truly is not a it's not a common thing. It it was a tough it was a tough job to win for Matt Areza. I understand Matt Hawk, you know, isn't an all pro hall of fame level punter, but you still have to come in and beat a veteran as a rookie one spot, one spot only. You have to be able to check all the boxes in order to win that job. And Hey, he did just that. And I understand there's people out there who aren't in love with punt God. How could you not be like my girl, Trish at Buffalo fanatics? She's got a lot of hate for the punt God. How could you? You can't be hating the punt god. I'm sorry. You cannot. You can, there's nothing to hate about the guy. I love him. I love him. And as we can see in here, he's going from the punt god to the hold god. I love it. I love everything about the kid. You know I was the number one fan the second that ballot was placed 
in April during the draft. And I'm so stoked to see he won the job. And, you know, it's funny. Usually there's not theatrics surrounding the punting position, but I got a feeling there would have been some real, some real sad, sad sentiment online had Matt Hawk wound up winning the job over Matt Areza. But there just, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there. We all knew up until probably the second that. Wait, am I? Fellas, am I? Uh, did it said I was muted? Am I unmuted now? Somebody talk to me in the chat. Talk to me. Talk to me. It popped up and said I was muted. I didn't think I was. Give me some, give me give me some uh, give me some feedback in the chat here. You can hear me. We're good. We're good. We good in the chat. We good. Oh, we're good. All right. Word. Was I out for a bit? All right. Cool. I don't know what the deal with that was. Just popped up. All right. Cool. Glad I caught it. You know me. You know me. I could have ran. I could have ran right there on mute for thirty minutes. I'm actually proud of myself that I caught it right there. Appreciate everybody coming in. You're good. You're good. You're good. You guys are the best. Always keep me honest. I love it. Uh, but back to what I was saying. Hey, you know, punt God comes in, wins the job. It's exciting stuff. He just seems like the perfect Bills Mafia fit. And hey, listen, not for nothing, does it really even matter? I'd rather go with the kid that everybody loves who can boot at 82 yards than Matt Hawk. I mean, you just got a guy that's already a cultural icon in Buffalo, so to speak. They don't even punt to begin with. I mean, they had to pretend they had to essentially give up a drive on Saturday, they, they had to like, they had to take their foot off the brake and, and basically take a knee on their last, one of their last drives of the game so that they could get punt reps in. I mean, I, I don't even know what the over under would be as far as attempts for the punt God is concerned coming up this season. You're not going to see a whole hell of a lot of them. You're not, you're really not going to see a whole hell of a lot of them. So congrats to the punt God tip of the cap. Best wishes to Matt Hawk, but the punt god is now punter number one in Buffalo. Uh, speaking of the special teams position, the Bills wind up freeing up space there as well. They cut Tavon Austin, who they had just brought in this offseason. Look, that was that was that was a no-brainer. Tavon Austin won. He was never touching the field on offense, ever. He was never getting on the field. So you might as well free up anybody in that particular circumstance who is taking away either a spot on the wide receiver depth chart or the special teams depth chart, because we've seen plenty of guys be able to return this off season. They have been cycling through guys, not stop. They've had different guys taking the kick and punt return. And you've barely heard the name of Tavon Austin. And then on top of that, you also have, at least seven wide receivers who are eligible to make this team. I think they do keep seven. You're going to have to free up spots where you can. Tavon Austin being one of them, a veteran presence, an older guy who just wasn't going to be able to get time over these young guns that the Bills have ascending right now on this roster at the wide receiver position. So the Bills cut Tavon Austin today. And those were the three big moves. Obviously the biggest one being Cody Ford, because, you know, you look back and, you know, a second round draft pick is, it's high enough, you know, a second round draft pick is a guy you take and you expect to be, uh, you expect to be a cornerstone of your team, just like the bills will hopefully get out of, uh, you know, James cook. And obviously the earlier you draft, the more you expect out of the guy. I just don't think Cody Ford ever hit those expectations. Bills felt the same. They move off of him today. And that leaves us 
with about one week or so until they'll get down to their final roster. And then from there, we can really start to decipher what we think will be the starting lineup for uh, the Thursday night game against the Rams. I'm very interested to see what the situation winds up being uh, in, a, in a multitude of different roster areas. I mean, the wide receiver position, of course, number one, dying to see if they keep seven, dying to see how the rotation works as far as the slot position, as far as how much burn they're going to give uh, Khalil Shakir, how much burn they're going to give to these young guys who have really stood out in camp. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, how's that all going to work out? That's interesting to me. This running game, my God, I don't know what it was that crept into the souls of every person on the Bills roster who runs the football, but Saturday they could not, they could not be stopped. Every single one of them, they channeled inner Barry Sanders on Saturday. It was just, it was a work of art. So it'll be very interesting to see what the running back room looks like in in the rotation there. Dying to see that. And then, of course, the corner position, that's the one that really stands out the most because it has the most uncertainty. So there's a lot going into this coming roster here that that is not only exciting, but also, you know, you have questions about as far as how you think it'll pan out for when it really matters the most week one. So we will know soon enough. We'll really get a good picture of that next week, and then we'll have the locked in picture, at least for the foreseeable future, 17 nights from tonight against the LA Rams. So with all that housekeeping out of the way for what went down in the newsroom today for the bills, let's get into what happened on Saturday afternoon, folks. Holy mother of God. Was that not just chef's kiss, a thing of absolute beauty Saturday. And let me just say this right off the bat. Let me just say this right off the bat. I do not care. If that game was a preseason game, if that was a backyard scrimmage, a regular season game, the Super Bowl, I don't care. An ass whooping is an ass whooping. And that, folks, was an absolute tail spanking. That game was a murder, a crime. I don't care what aspect of the season that's happening in. The Denver Broncos should be embarrassed. I don't care at all. What level of the year you're at? That was an ass kicking. I mean, that was an oil drum's worth of ass whooping. From beginning all the way to the last snap where the Bills finished the game with a sack. The game was extraordinary. It was a hell of a watch. And I really can't think of anything else that could have got you more excited as you took another week towards being in the regular season. You look at these preseason games for what they are. Obviously, they're preseason games. They don't count. But I think that there are aspects of these games that do count, even outside of the things we already know, like roster spots, of course, um, depth chart positioning, all those things matter, right? But I think that there's a lot of morale that comes out of these games. I mean, you can't tell me the Bills don't walk off that field feeling like a million bucks compared to how the Denver Broncos felt leaving that field. I mean, even though the game didn't count for anything, you don't think the Bills' confidence got a little bit of a B12 shot walking out of Saturday? Every single unit on that team looked phenomenal at certain aspects of the game. The offense in particular looked phenomenal every single snap of the game. There's not a soul on that offense who left that field Saturday feeling anything other than a million bucks. And you really couldn't say the same about anybody. 
for the Denver Broncos. And I understand it does not mean anything, but for a team who has expectations higher than we have ever seen as the fan base of the Buffalo Bills, these expectations are so sky high. They're almost being levied at a point of, of them being unreachable, right? Or at least that's what people want to say. And I understand the argument. Oftentimes when you come into seasons such as the bills are coming into right now, where the expectations are so high, oftentimes they're not met because of that. So anything you can take to boost your own confidence, I'm all for. And that Saturday, I'm sorry. You don't have to buy into anything. You can just say it's preseason, throw it out the, out the door. That's fine. Go ahead. No problem. But the way I saw it, there is no possible way you could argue to me that the Bills did not leave the field Saturday feeling exceptional. Coaching staff all the way down. That was a great, great outing, and it's one that you want to have before you go into the season. Let's take a look at it from the broad spectrum of last season. People were concerned about Josh Allen playing in this game, and I thought the way McDermott handled it was just, it was absolutely executed to perfection. He ran the beginning of that game so perfectly. The ability to give Josh Allen a game feel to get him some throws without putting him into a position where it was going to be difficult for him to simply do anything but execute a drive and get off the field. They didn't want to be running anything extravagant. They didn't want to be putting Josh Allen in any hairy situations. They just wanted Josh Allen to get some reps and get the hell off the field. And they did it. I mean, you couldn't have, you couldn't have done it more perfect. You really couldn't. But there were people, of course, concerned about Josh Allen going into this game at all. And I understand that. But just a year ago, the Bills come into the season with not as high of expectations as they have this year, but pretty high expectations as far as our standards are concerned. And they laid an absolute egg against the Pittsburgh Steelers week one. I mean, the, 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 the Bills came out flatter than uh, whatever, flatter than a, than a soda left out in the sun all day long against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were much better than Pittsburgh in every aspect. I mean, they were just a far better superior team. And you knew that to be true because you saw the season play out and you saw where the Bills went and where the Steelers went. The Bills shot themselves in the foot every opportunity they had that game. Block punts, turnovers, the inability to score. They were terrible that game. So I think something like this, it means something. I really do. Yeah, I think it means at least a little bit when you go into week one and you have that confidence riding behind you. Because Josh Allen, I'm sure he'll play a little bit this coming weekend against uh, Carolina, probably no more than he just played uh, against Denver. But he's going to be riding into that week one with a few drives under his belt. And if it's anything like week, like what we just saw last week, I mean, you're going to be feeling a lot better than if you're coming off, uh, if, you, if your last game is coming off that 13-second defeat to Kansas City. I just think that these things mean something, even though it was only three throws for him. It's three more throws than he had uh, this entire offseason up until the first game. And especially when it's executed the way it was, come on. So let's get into that first drive of the game for the Bills. Because it, I mean, it, ultimately when we, when we were watching this drive, the first thing you have on your mind is, one, God, it's so good to see Josh Allen back out on the field. Oh, like, you know, it just felt real, right? Obviously, last week when he's not on the field against Indianapolis, I mean, you're still getting that vibe. Bills are back. You know, football is coming, right? But it ain't no Josh Allen, right? If Josh Allen's not on the field, it just doesn't feel like Bills football. It finally felt real. 
But the only thing you really care about after Josh Allen's out on that field is when the hell are you going to get him off? Because ultimately all that matters in that situation is getting him off the field healthy and ready to go for week one. And that goes for all the players who took that field that have a starting role on this team. Uh, But the way that they were able to come out in the first drive and do what they did and then just sit, I mean, you could not have drawn it up any better. Josh Allen gets three throws this whole game. And he turns one of them into an all-time highlight for the beginning of this season. If you were to go around the league right now, as far as the offseason is con- concerned, and try to find a highlight to, to run on loop, Josh Allen's touchdown to Gabe Davis would be your answer. And that was one of three throws he threw on the whole day. There were so many things about that that I loved. So it's first down, the, 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 right out of the first drive, Allen comes out swinging. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just because it's been a while since, since we've watched Allen play. You know, it's been several months. So you're not necessarily uh, as adjusted to watching the Bills, of course, as you are when you're in midseason form. But I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily it. Something about the way he was throwing the ball was insane. It, did it not look a lot quicker, not only out of the hand as far as getting the ball off is concerned, but as far as just speed in general? I don't know. I mean, I do think the goal was to get the ball out as quick as, as he could to not get hit. But if that's something they want to continue to do all year long, fine by me. I mean, shit, he was, he was ripping the ball out of his hand like lightning every time he got an opportunity, all three balls, except for the final one, which we all know what happened there. Incredible. So he takes that first, uh, that first play, that first down shotgun, total dart. And who is it to? My man, little dirty. And I just thought it was a perfect, it was a perfect culmination of things that we've seen this offseason, right? You have little dirty coming over the middle on an in route in that slot position. And Allen throws this thing like an absolute Randy Johnson fastball through two defenders right in the middle of them. If you go back and watch the play, there's going to be two defenders on each side and you got McKenzie in the middle of them. And he hits them right on the numbers, right in the middle first down. And you'd think, okay, that was great. Right. And you'd think the most you're going to get out of this drive is probably a few more Josh Allen passes. And that would be, you know, what you get for the day. But the great thing here, it wasn't even just Josh Allen dominated on this drive. Singletary looked absolutely phenomenal. First drive. First touch for Singletary comes out of the gun, 18-yard run. So right off the bat, you got two plays, and you're about 40 yards down the field. Two plays, immediate quick hitters, first downs. And then you get Singletary again. He runs for six. You got the next play being Josh Allen, a screen route, which I liked, by the way, because I was, I've been telling you this in the offseason here. I'm really looking forward to hopefully the Bills doing a lot more of this. Quick in-routes, screen game. I think that that is going to be something that we see a lot more of this year. I think it's something that we have been missing on this offense. It's why we were last in the league as far as yards after the catch were concerned a season ago. It's just something that they weren't focusing on. We've seen it a few times throughout the offseason here. We saw it a couple times with Josh Allen in this game uh, in particular. One of them being it was a, you know, a very quick, out-of-his-hands immediate screen throw to Stephon Diggs. Boom. Another first down. 
So you're only like five plays in here. And between Allen and Devin Singletary, it, look, I mean, you shit, you're right there. You're right there. And they're not even trying. Now I get it. You know, if you want to be a D, if you want to be an asshole and you want to be like, Oh, well it was against the second string. Yeah. No kidding. I get it. I totally get it, but you can still understand what good football looks like. I don't care who you're playing against. Wouldn't matter what string was out there. No one's stopping that ball. Allen put it on to, to McKenzie thing was going hundred miles an hour. And then the touchdown here, you want to talk about nobody stopping. And I, I know that for a fact, because the chiefs couldn't stop it four different times. The last time the Bills were on the field with Josh Allen. So I know for a fact it wouldn't have mattered what string was out there, whether it's your fifth string or your first string, it doesn't matter. Because Josh Allen's in the gun here, right? Five wide, empty. And he does what, jo- he does what only Josh Allen and maybe a couple other players in the league can do. He's got two guys collapsing on him. And what you got to love about this play is Josh Allen would probably been able, he would have been able to make this play work either way he chose to execute it. If you look at the play, he takes a snap. He's got two guys coming on the outside of him. He would have been able to try and cut it up to the front left through the hole right outside of the defender. And you can tell that's what he's initially thinking about doing because he starts to creep up that way. But then he realizes that that might not be my best bet. So he immediately pivots. He turns around. He pretty much does a 360. And I got to give credit to blocking on this play extraordinary probably the most underrated aspect of this entire play yeah the 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 rush got in quick but they they, it held up the pass blocking on this play held up Allen wouldn't have been able to maneuver back there if he didn't have the time that the blocking allotted to him to be able to reposition and get the ball off so he foregoes the run decides to spin back around and by now I mean what do you think he's probably had the ball in the backfield for going on five seconds here and by then, the Bills' offensive wide receiver unit is just way too good. I don't care who you have in the backfield on defense. You are not containing that Bills' wide receiver core for five seconds. Sorry, not happening. Especially when you got Allen with the ability to improvise the way he does. You're, you are not holding up for that amount of time. So he's, he pivots around. He goes back. And like I said, you're not going to be able to hold him. And the, the cool thing here is I think they all play off each other very well. Obviously, where uh, Gabe Davis winds up on that play was not where he was intended to go on the initial route. He's following Allen the whole time. He sees Allen breaks out. He runs to the most open area of the field, which is which just so happened to be, if you're looking at the end zone, the front left. Runs right to it, Allen right on the numbers. And, he, and, and the crazy thing is, even though the, the, they were running that play for going on what felt like a minute, Davis was still covered pretty well. The ball could not have been put in a more perfect spot. The catch was beautiful, but we've come to expect now from Gabe Davis, who seems to have automatic hands, especially in the end zone. And what I love about it is just, you know, you're only three throws in and you in, in McDermott knew, I'm guessing even if they don't score there, that's the last you see a Josh Allen all day. And that is going to be the last you think of him until you see him again. And I'm guessing it's going to be a real brief stint against the Panthers. And then boom, you're into the week one game against the former Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. You got so much out of that brief sequence there. You got to see, not, you know, not only did you get just see Josh Allen in action again, that alone is worth the price of admission, but you got to watch him execute two great short routes with laser precision with two of your top wide receivers for this coming season putting their legs to work, putting their route skills to work. You got Devin Singletary showing you why he deserves to be running back one. Gains about 
just just a hair under 30 yards in about two plays. And then you got Allen throwing the touchdown of the offseason to Gabe Davis, which, mind you, talk about picking up where you left off. The last we had saw Josh Allen, he was just doing exactly that. Fourfold. The last we saw Josh Allen, he was doing exactly the same thing we just saw on Saturday. And he had done it four separate times in Arrowhead in a much, much more serious situation. The guy is unearthly. The guy is, I just love him so much. And I'll tell you what, I love this team more than I've ever loved any Buffalo Bills team because you just don't know what to expect, but yet at the same time, you kind of do. Does that make any sense? Like when Allen's in that, when Allen's five wide, nobody in the backfield, and you see him kind of creeping up off the snap, you really don't know what to expect. But at the same time, you kind of expect something crazy to happen because it's, it's very, very, very rare that Allen will just take that ball and get, either get sacked in the backfield there or just flat out do nothing. You're expecting either some sort of run where he bulldozes the guy over that's right in front of him or he does what he did on the play. Basically do a, a ballerina-type twirl, get out of the pressure, and throw a dart off his back foot 40 yards, touchdown. The guy makes it look effortless. He makes it look easy. And by now, we've seen it so often, we've almost become accustomed to it. It's far, it's far from easy. It's far from routine. It's far from customary. I mean, that stuff is ridiculous. And like I said, I don't care. Preseason, postseason, regular season, because we've seen it in all seasons. Every season, we've seen it. And you mean to tell me the first, the first three trots out onto the field he has for the whole year? Results in that, I'm signing up all day. Do not care at all if it was the preseason. It was awesome. So that was everything we could have possibly hoped for out of the starting unit for week one. We knew it was going to be a brief stint. We weren't expecting much. I think we got way more than we could have ever expected. So hats off, tip of the cap. That opening drive was terrific. Now, right there, you're thinking, all right, my Saturday was uh, – I didn't think it was going to be that good. I didn't think I was going to see Josh Allen with a, you know, highlight real touchdown today. I didn't think I was going to have that on my docket, but they were just getting started. I mean, folks, this team is so deep. This team has so much talent. And look, I told you last week, and I know there's a lot of people on here who probably bought into the, the, bad, the bad play we saw from Case Keenum last week. I get it. I mean, it's easy to get aggravated with your backup quarterback, especially when you're considering somebody who has to play for the Bills that isn't Josh Allen. Like I told you last week, just don't even think about it because if it comes down to that point, the season's probably screwed anyways. But I told you, Case Keenum was the, the move was made to take Case Keenum in for a reason. He's going to be the, the QB too. I understand Matt Bartley played better than him last week, but you know Case Keenum's making too much money as a backup, and they were, they acquired him from the Browns for a reason. There's two different roles being played here. Case Keenum's role is to be able to actually play. God forbid he should have to. Matt Barkley's not on the team for that reason. Matt Barkley's there to be a veteran presence for Josh Allen. Josh Allen loves him. That's really all that's there. And, and you know, I, I think I think Barkley knows that more than anybody. A lot of apologists for Case Keenum after Saturday. Tell you that. You watch Case, and I, I understand why you, why you would have been down in the dumps about the guy last week. He looked terrible. I get it. But he didn't have a chance to play with the ones. And this weekend he did. And sweet God. He just picked up right where Allen left off, 16 to 18, 
192 yards, just a clip under 11 yards, an attempt, and a touchdown. Remarkable the day that the quarterbacks had here, right? Allen, even though he throws three balls, he finishes the day with 158.3 QBR. Case Keenum, 129.6. That'll do. Once again, I understand it's against the backups, but you did you do see some things out of Case Keenum that are good. I mean, they are, they seriously are. You look at what Case Keenum is capable of doing with adequate weapons around him, and you see it, and you say, "Hey, you know, should the worst possible case scenario happen where Allen's got to go down for any amount of time?" There were things that you saw out of Keenum that you really were impressed with, and that you knew could work with this offense to a winning standard. This offense is so well-equipped. I think that if Keenan were, were to go in at any point this season, no, you're, I mean, you're, you're not going to be nearly as favored, of course, as you would be with Josh Allen. The game's going to be completely different, but I do think he puts you in a position to win. I do think he gives you a chance. I mean, you look around the league and you look at Case Keenum, there are several teams who don't have a quarterback who's all that much better than Case Keenum. And if that's the second option and we can get what we got out of him Saturday with the starting unit in a game in which we might need him, we'll take that all day. Those numbers were great. I thought the accuracy was terrific. I thought his ability to spread the ball around the field very well. Like, like Elliot's coming in here, you know, he's he's saying, you know, Keenum, as well as a lot of veteran QBs should be able to have fun with this offense. Fitzmagic would throw for 450 a game with this squad. See, I look at it like that as well. I mean, maybe fun would be a tough word to use in the regular season, right? I mean, at least right now you can say that for sure. I think Matt Bartley was having a blast last week, just kind of going out there, throwing the ball around, hucking it around the yard, right? But I think you're right in a, to a certain degree because I think that you have a much looser presence about you as a veteran quarterback. You know it's not your team. You know it's not a job that you necessarily have to compete for. You know the reason you're in there. And uh, with the weapons the Bills have at their disposal right now, the coaching staff, how well run they are, I think they'd be in a pretty decent position with Case Keenum should that wind up being the case. It'd be really hard to say that. Uh, It'd be really hard to say something against that after what he showed us Saturday. And I know we saw a real dud last week, but if Case Keenan were to be be able to play to some sort of the degree that he played on Saturday with the starting unit, and I'm much more likely to hang my hat on that than what I saw in week one, then I, I would say today I feel much more confident about a bad, bad scenario happening where Allen might have to miss some time. I feel a lot better today than I did last week. And that's all you can really ask for. You're never going to feel, you're never going to feel great. You're never going to feel great. If Allen goes down, there is no one on earth who'd feel anything other than terrible. All you want to be able to hope for is you have a guy that can put you in a position to compete. I think Case Keenum does that. And I think we saw that Saturday. And, the, and, and you know, it was, a, it was just a terrific outing for everybody involved. What I liked about Keenum is you had that drive for the Bills on offense to start the game, and it was extraordinary. And Keenum comes out and really just starts – he just really – he lights the fire even further. Everybody's already pumped up. Keenum comes right out. Immediate dart to Diggs, 25 yards. Just cruising down the field. Now, they left Singletary in again for the second drive. And this is a this is a story that I really wanted to get into today. Story, maybe not the right word, just an aspect of this game um, that I really wanted to focus on. This running game, folks. Um, wow, 
And look, it's grain of salt central here. I mean, please don't make me have to repeat myself a million times. You guys get it. I'm not sitting here clamoring the Bills to be the, uh, the next great rushing attack of all time. I can only base my thoughts on what I've seen. And I understand it's against the Broncos, seconds, thirds, whatever, whatever. Right? I, under, I understand it. I get it completely. But this is a team who really couldn't run the, they couldn't run the ball out of a paper bag a season ago. I mean, really. This team couldn't rely on any sort of run game other than the horse-like legs of Josh Allen to maneuver down the field on the ground. And you got guys in the preseason here absolutely shredding down the field. The line looks great. The holes look extraordinary. And the explosiveness from all of these guys. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. You watched on Saturday, from top to bottom, exceptional running gameplay from every single one of these guys. Singletary really right off the bat, extraordinary. He only touched the ball four times, 39 yards. Yeah, sure. I'll come out, touch the ball four times, first down nearly every carry. Fantastic. Singletary with an 18. This is where you really need to focus on the most here. What was that? Oh, it's my headphones. I just got a, they're uh, the, they just gave me a, a dying sound. You will hang on headphones. Damn it. Not to worry. Anyhow, this is what you really need to focus on here. Okay. This team last year, even, even at times when they did show good spurts of the ability to rush, right? They're never just taken off. The only time you could think of a run that went for any respectable amount of distance was from Josh Allen. You had three different running backs in this game run the ball for 18 yards or more on a single rush. I mean, off the top of your head right now, can you think of like, like two of those last year at all? Because I can't. This team doesn't do that. And like I said, grain of salt central here. But when I see it three different times from three different backs, I mean, I got to take something away from that. Blackshear, a 25-yarder. Singletary opened up the game with that 18-yarder. James Cook, hello. Welcome to the league. He looked phenomenal. He had, this, he had nine and a half yards on his four carries. So you got Singletary, four, 39, four for 39 yards. You got James Cook, four for 38 yards. Singletary with an, a long rush of 18, James Cook with a long rush of 19. Yeah, sign me up for that the rest of the year, please. I will take that. And then you got guys like Duke Johnson. He gets the heaviest workload of the day, thought he looked good. Thought he's looked good every time he's got an opportunity this offseason. Nine for 55. Blackshear, I mean, look, I understand that he's a fringe guy, probably a practice squad guy, right? So you'd think, but holy crap. I mean, that guy can move. He can run the damn ball. He can catch the damn ball, too. Blackshear, uh, man, and this is what I'm getting at here. I mean, how, how, how many times last year would I be able to sit here and go, well, maybe this running back could get involved and this running back? No, we, we were lucky only one would get involved. We had 208 yards on the ground with a, a very consistent effort from five different running backs in that game. Every single running back in that game had 19 yards or more. And if you exclude Zach Moss, who, mind you, sorry, he only had four carries for 19, right? Like, not everybody's going to touch the ball four times and go for 39 and 38 and 58 like Blackshear, Cook, and Singletary did. 
you're still getting just a hair under five yards of carry. But the point here is even outside of Zach Moss, who you can say had the worst day, quote-unquote, four for 19, two touchdowns, mind you. Quote-unquote, the worst day, right? The four other running backs had 38 yards or more. Each of them. And the two running backs who had more than four carries both went for 55 yards or more. The running game was off the charts. It was extraordinary. And I'll say this, you don't even need that, right? Like, what we just saw Saturday, you, I mean, that is, that's like as good as you could possibly get. I mean, like, obviously, it's, it's preseason, of course, and you're, you're not going to get 302 yards through the air and then 208 yards on the ground unless you're having an all-time day, which we know the Bills are capable of doing. But that's not the expectation. The desire, however, is to have a run game that is consistent, respected, and you have guys that can rotate in and give you that presence each time you take the snap. Right now, you, you, you got a real tough time telling me that you don't feel all right with any running back in that backfield right now doing their thing. I mean, seriously. Singletary looks like he gets shot out of a cannon every time he touches the ball. The maneuvering, the ability to move by James Cook, I'm telling you folks, we are going to be we are going to be settling in for some exciting ball out of James Cook moving forward. You can just tell the kid's got it. You can just tell he's got it, right? And then Zach Moss out of nowhere. A guy I had written off. I thought this offseason's been great for him. I really have. And then it's like guys you just wouldn't even consider thinking about twice, like Duke Johnson and Blackshear. Blackshear in particular. I mean, holy. I think I just saw someone comment in here. Where, where was it? Because this is actually this is a thought that I had the other day. Where was this? Yeah. Trust the process coming and saying, you release Blackshear, New England will grab him there waiting to see what Buffalo is going to release. That is so funny you say that because it's exactly what I thought the other day. It just seems like a guy Belichick would be waiting in the in, in the uh, in the on-deck circle for, right? Because he's, he's the king of get, bringing guys in to just rotate through. Guys you've never heard of will wind up making an impact on the team for a, for a small amount of time or whatever, right? Very funny you bring that up. But Blackshear, just, just another example. Like, he, he, the opportunities you're given are everything. You can either execute on them or you can fall flat on your face. That kid has gotten a decent amount of reps in two preseason games and the kids looked absolutely phenomenal you can't ask anything more than the ability to capitalize on the opportunities given to you he's done exactly that absolutely on fire james cook we didn't really see him at all against indianapolis i don't even know if we i don't even know if we saw him at all but this was the real the real first opportunity we got to see him against another team and i just i mean there's something about him there's just something that you see in him that really gets you excited it's just the way he moves, I guess. I don't know if we've really had that. I don't, I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know how palpable it is. It's tough to describe. It's just a presence that I was able to see that I don't know if we necessarily have been able to witness in the past. He's just got a different vibe to him, and I love it. I saw someone over the weekend. I can't remember who exactly. They, kind of com they compared him to Camara and the way he moves a bit, and I do see that. Kamara's got a real impressive way of being able to run the ball in a delayed fashion where you don't really know where he's going from one second to the next, but at the same time, he's absolutely on fire as far as running the ball with complete, utter quickness, out of the shoot speed, and that's what we saw to James Cook. Now, Devin Singletary, and I know, and I, Pierre's in here, and I know he's been on this train big time, and I think 
After last season, I have a tough time not being on this train as far as the end of the season concerned. And I know for a fact he's been working his ass off because the second he saw James Cook get drafted, and I know they're boys. They've been boys forever. They've been boys going back to it. They were boys before he even got drafted. But you can't tell me, and I know for a fact, because Rico and I flat out asked him right to his face. like Because you have to, right? You have to. You're, you're running back one on this team, so you think. The Bills go second-round running back. It, that, that can't really look good for you, all right? That can't really be a great realization when you're sitting at home and they're, and, and they're drafting a guy that is probably meant to be your replacement. And we talked to him about it in person. I know I've, we've, you've seen the interview. I've chatted about it on here before. He, he knows it's just business. He gets it. This is the league, right? But you you know for a fact that that lit a fire under his ass. He That's just the type of, that's the type of guy he is. Singletary's a dog. He's a hard worker. Big, big heart. Cares a lot. He's a grinder, man. He's a grinder. And I think we really saw that come on hot at the end of the year last year. And I really do think that that carried into the offseason. And I'm telling you, man. I'm excited to see. And this is the first thing that I said. This is the first thing that I said when the Bills drafted James Cook. I said, I don't think that this does. I said, I don't think anybody benefits from this more than the art than the already existing running back room. I thought that the, the immediate impact would be felt by Devin Singletary, not in a negative way, like many would think, because a lot of people would like to go and think, okay, well, Singletary's on the outs now, right? It's going to be James Cook. And of course, down the line, that'll probably wind up being the case. You know how running back goes. It's age. It's what you've done for me lately. It's what's the tread on your tires looking like. But I'm talking about right now. My initial thought was this does a world of good for Devin Singletary. Singletary was not in a position necessarily to succeed last year at the running back spot. The Bills didn't have the line for it. Frankly, they didn't have the scheme for it. It was not predicated on running the ball at all. And when they did, good God, you know what happened. They ran the ball up the middle, so non-creative, no life to it. Oftentimes, it went for a yard or two at best. It was like running a guy into a brick wall. It was just awful. And there was nobody to help him out. There was no existing tandem in the backfield. It was Devin Singletary, and that was really it. And we only really saw him come on towards the end of the year. But when they drafted James Cook, I felt, hey, if you can get another guy in here who is – even equal to, if not better than Devin Singletary, because let's, let's face it last year, that wasn't there. And you draft James cook to be better than Devin Singletary. Right. But if you bring a guy in of equal caliber or better, I think not only of course, does it benefit the team, but it immediately benefits Devin Singletary. It gives him even added reason to work on his game and to bring his best every day. But he also knows that he's got another guy by his side to be able to take reps that when he's not on the field, they can still succeed in the run game. It was almost completely reliant on Singletary last year, and that was just a job that was never going to get done adequately. It just wasn't in the cards last year. It really wouldn't have mattered who was running the ball last year, right? I mean, think about it. Last year, the way the Bills setup was, would it have really mattered who was running the ball? Because the way it was executed almost never worked. And oftentimes, you really sat back and wondered, is it Devin Singletary, or was he just in a spot that where, he, where he really wasn't going to be able to succeed properly. And then I think towards the end of the year, when Ryan Bates got in there and the line started playing better and things opened up more, boom. Well, what do you know? Devin Singletary wound up finishing the year really strong. So 
It's exciting, exciting stuff. And I really do think that that's exactly what we're seeing. You got a real strong running back group right now of competition. Nobody's job is safe. And you got a lot of young presence and you got a lot of, you got a lot of different angles there. You got a lot of different style of running back too, right? All I know is from what I've seen out of the main guys, we are gearing up for a much, much better result on the ground this year than we witnessed last year. And that's all we can ask for. I've been pounding the table on this time and time again. When you have Josh Allen, you don't need Kamara. You don't need McCaffrey. You don't need Derrick Henry. You just don't. You just need a run game adequate enough and respectable enough to be able to open up the, the, the offensive playbook beyond Josh Allen taking the ball out of the gun and throwing it down the field. Yes, that works. Yes, we love it. But you have to be able to broaden your horizons, and you do that with a respectable run game. The Bills' run game wasn't respected last year, but what we've seen thus far, what I anticipate with the addition of James Cook, how Devin Singletary finished the year and how he seems to have brought that into this season, and now we're seeing a much better presence out of Zach Moss, and you got two other running backs waiting in the wings who look great as well, I think we can expect that. And I'm not asking for the world here. I'm just asking if you need a running play out of these guys, you can get it done. Last year, I don't know if you say that. Was there ever a moment in time where you felt comfortable running the ball? I don't think the answer was yes, ever. Unless it was Josh Allen with one yard to gain and he's under center. Then I feel fine. But there really wasn't any opportunity last year allotted to the Bills that made you sit back and say, man, I hope they run the ball here. And every time that they did, how many times did you sit on your couch and you said, you know what, this seems like a perfect opportunity for Dable to pull out one of his classic run the ball up the gut for negative one yards. I mean, every time he did that, and there were so many I couldn't even count, you wanted to literally jump out your own window. You wanted to find the nearest ledge and leap off of it. And it happened time and time again. All we can hope for this year is that this trickles into this season. What we've seen, right, in the offseason here, and I hope that not only that, but you get just some respected, some respected run game that opens the playbook up a bit more. Because if that's the case, folks, this offense is unstoppable. You could already almost argue that it is. Just imagine if the run game continues the way it's going early in the offseason here and what that can bring. William coming in here with the uh, super chat. Appreciate you, Will. He's saying, Dable or Dorsey, that boy in 1-7 looked like he never changed. And he's on a mission this year, and I'm excited. And the 1-2 punch is coming at you. Love it. So, interesting that you bring up the Dorsey-Dable switch, because I, I talk about it on here uh, every now and then. I, I love pro football talk. Um, I love what Mike Florio has to say. A lot of the time, I think he's an incredible um, writer for the game. I do. I know he gets a lot of crap. Never understood why. Uh, and his show is with Chris Sims. So I listen to that almost daily. It's very rare that I miss a show. And uh, they were talking about the Bills just the other day. They were talking about the AFC East. Uh, they were talking about all the teams. They were talking about the Patriots and uh, the just kind of lunacy going on there with the offensive coordinator situation. They were talking about the Jets and Zach Wilson. Finally, they get to the Bills. And, you know, you know, of course, right now, when you have a team like the Bills, you're really, you're really scraping the surface when it comes to trying to find things to – kind of question, right, or to kind of make yourself concerned. Because on the broad horizon, you, there's not, you don't look at the Bills and be like, ah, right there, I'm telling you, that's going to be their Achilles heel. You, you just don't. But what interests me about Chris Sims, and I do, I think Chris Sims oftentimes has a lot of good insight. Not only did he used to play the game, 
but his dad's a legend. He's been in coaching rooms. He knows how these things work. And the one thing that he caught, he caught me off guard with what, what he said is just something I did not expect him to say and something that I uh, dramatically disagreed with. He thought that the change from Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey could potentially spell issues for the Bills this coming season. I feel the complete opposite. And I understand what he was trying to say. He said, you know, this is the first time Josh Allen will have a different coordinator in his career. Oftentimes these OCs really pay, play a pivotal role in how you play your game, your development. I get all that. I'd almost agree with him if Ken Dorsey wasn't in the room the entire time. They didn't go pick Ken Dorsey up off the street. Okay. Ken Dorsey was in the room with Brian Dable. He just wasn't the one running the shots. But he was also not only in the room, he was the QB coach. There are very few teams or there are very few people on a roster or a personnel or a management, whatever. There are very few people closer to the quarterback than the quarterback coach. That should be a reality. That is now your OC. I was very confused by him saying that. Because to me, I don't think you see any drop off. And in my opinion, I think you see more. I loved Brian Dable. I'm, I've always, I've always shouted his his praises on here. You know that. Did a world of good for this franchise, this offense, and in particular Josh Allen. No shade on Brian Dable whatsoever. But there were aspects of the way he called games that I thought got repetitive and noticeable, and I thought that it lacked creativity a lot at times. There were aspects of this team that I thought were not being properly utilized. The running, the running backs in the pass game, the short game, the utilization of, Cole, or, uh, of Isaiah McKenzie. Just a few things off the top of my head. That when I looked at Ken Dorsey, I said, well, hey, he's a, he's a young guy with something to prove. This is his first job as an OC. He's got the best quarterback, arguably, in the league to help execute his offense. And not only that, but he was in the room the entire time. He has a rapport with every single guy on this offense already, including, and most importantly, Josh Allen, the quarterback. And I asked a variety of guys with Rico when we were interviewing these players in person, we, we asked almost every one of them about Ken Dorsey. They all love the guy. They love him. They love him. And they say he is all business all football he is one hard-ass dude when it comes to getting things done on the field he said he did eat his because we rico had brought it up in particular because he said you know dorsey doesn't really look like that he doesn't strike me as that guy and they were like oh you're getting the wrong impression so to bring it full circle, I mean, I think the complete opposite of what Sims was trying to get at. I think this offense has the potential to be even better. And not only because of Ken Dorsey. I mean, just look at the offense itself. It's just in a better position now. You have an upgraded offensive line. You have added weapons at offense. You have a seasoned Gabriel Davis now coming off an historic playoff. You've added younger presence to the offense. You've added a second tight end to be able to run different sets that you weren't able to do last year. You've added tremendously to your running back room. 
And oh, Josh Allen just gets another year in the book of an offseason where we know he grinds every single day to get better. And he just so happens to be doing so off of one of the greatest postseasons we've ever seen from a quarterback, despite the fact that it ended in, ended in a losing effort. You go back and watch that game against New England. You go back and watch that game against the Chiefs. And let me know how many times you've seen a quarterback perform better than what Josh Allen did on that field. There is not a thing about this coming season that has me even remotely, remotely concerned about this offense. So, ref, that is the nicest compliment I have ever gotten. But what you should have said is, Z-Bot, you're the best thing since gluten-free sliced bread. Because I'm gluten-free. And let me tell you what, they finally have figured it out over at Aldi's. I don't know if anybody here eats gluten-free food, gluten-free bread. It's awful. It comes frozen. There's holes all over it. It's just terrible. It's like eating frozen cardboard. And I don't know. I don't know who decided to just break barriers over at all these food markets, but they got the best gluten-free bread and it's sliced and it's not frozen. And that's what I thought of when you said that. And it made me smile. Thank you, ref. But I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, you really have to be digging the bottom of the barrel to find something to find something to question this Bills offense on. I mean, give me a break. Saturday afternoon, I mean, and and I can't emphasize this enough. It it, it did not matter if it was a preseason game. You've seen preseason football before from everybody. You you, You don't often see that. Do you see six straight touchdown drives in a preseason game that often? I mean, do you? Because the answer is no. And do you see it being executed by different guys who are not only executing it, but like really show-stopping during their opportunities? I mean, let's just run down the list of the things, the different things we saw on Saturday. I already touched on the run game. I can't get over it. Just a shy under eight yards of carry, four touchdowns on the ground, 208 on 27 carries. Get out of here with that. If we, get, if we can get half of that, this is what I'm saying. This is why I double down on the fact that I do not care that this was a preseason game because I'm not expecting this. If you can bring me half of that, if you can bring me 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground with these running backs rotating in, If you can bring that on a consistent basis on top of what you already know you're going to get from Josh Allen. Because I think about 100 yards and a score or two on the ground is exactly that sweet spot that I was just referring to. Respectable and incompetent. it's, It's a run game that can be executed. It's never going to be what you rely on. It's never going to be the topic of conversation when it comes to thinking about the Bills offense. You're never going to immediately be like, oh, man, good luck stopping that run game. And that's exactly what I want because I don't even want that. If, if, if we're talking about the run game nonstop, then I don't know. Something's probably off. If you can get about 100 yards on, I don't know, it doesn't even really matter to me the amount of carries. I guess it all depends on the flow of the game. But if you can get me 100 yards and a couple of scores with those guys rotating in, I'm signing up for it all day long. Now let's go over to the receiving core because this is this to me, 
I got to tell you, before the season started, I mean, I really never thought we'd even be talking about the ability to to have additionals at the running back position. I really didn't. I mean, I thought Zach, I thought I thought James Cook would come in. I thought he'd really compete for the starting role and inevitably wind up winning it at some point. I didn't think it would start week one, but I thought it would happen at some point. Now I don't know. I mean, Singletary to me has got it locked up right now, deservingly so. He's the veteran presence in that room. He's worked his ass off. He looks great. And I think, like I said earlier, he just benefits from having James Cook behind him. But to think that I'd be sitting here in late August, a year ago, and I'm telling you that I'm satisfied, beyond satisfied with the, the direction I see this running game. And I just, I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. What I did see, though, is, is me being satisfied with the receiving game. I don't even know if anybody could have imagined how successful, though, it could potentially be with just different guys. And I think that, that it speaks to a variety of factors. Ultimately, it speaks to Josh Allen. He's the one throwing the ball. He dicks, he's going to dictate the, the success of these guys. But, I mean, we got some, all, some bona fide studs on this roster at the wide receiver position. And one in particular, again, that we just couldn't have saw coming at least this quickly. And it's tough for me to say that because maybe we did. I don't know. The easy answer would be to say, oh, you didn't, you didn't think Khalil Shakir would be this good this quick, but Gabe Davis sort of was. And like I said last week, like, you know, you didn't really think much about Gabe Davis and all of a sudden, okay. Yeah. Gabe Davis wide receiver two, one of the best young wide receivers in the league. We're going to rely heavily on him this year. Like it just happened. Right. You know, you draft Khalil Shakir, and you're like, oh, who's that? And you're like, oh, okay, I'm reading some good things about him. Oh, no one's got a bad thing to say. People are saying a sneaky good pick. Boom. Oh, my God, is this guy not Is this guy not going to be one of the best players on this offense this year? Going to talk a little bit more about the Bills' wide receiver room in just a second. But I got to give love and a shout-out to our friends over at Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football right around the corner, folks. You know the drafts for most of us are coming up within the next week or two. You have got to make sure to add Dynasty Owner to your fantasy football lineup this year. If you love fantasy football, you will love Dynasty Owner. It's a whole new way to play. You have got to sign up this year and check them out. Here's a quick root, a kick, a quick word. From our friends over at Dynasty Honor. You've never experienced fantasy football quite like this. Unlike the other fantasy football platforms, Dynasty Owner uses real NFL salaries and salary cap, bench scoring, clutch scoring systems, and a variety of other options to make Dynasty Owner unlike any other fantasy football experience you've ever had. Do you have what it takes to be the best Dynasty Owner in the league? Download the Dynasty Owner app on the App Store or Google Play today to find out. Like I said, folks, Dynasty Owner, you have heard me talk about them plenty. Now you've heard all the boys talk about them, and they are the real deal. Super cool stuff. Everybody loves fantasy, but this takes it to the nth degree. And in a season like we have coming up with the Bills, you might as well go all in with your fantasy too. Dynasty Owner over on the App Store and Google Play. So, Let's get into the uh, the wide receiver unit here because I just, this is blowing my mind, man. What are we, we are, we're a buck 11 into this show and I'm like just touching on this. That's how insane Saturday was. You know, I was just sitting there and I'm like, dude, no way. And I texted my dad. I go, I go, this is insane. He goes, oh, it's just preseason, but I go, Lily, I don't care. I mean, it wasn't like they were just, you know, playing well. I mean, they were, and, and sorry to any of the, the kids, the, the, the little Bills Mafia listen to this, but I mean, I, I can't contain myself here. They were shitting on them 
I mean, they were absolutely painting them in shit. It was just like hot knife, hot like samurai sword through butter. All the way up until the end, really. I mean, and, and towards the end, you could just tell. It's like, all right, let's just get out of here. We'll give them a couple punt reps. It was just gross. And it was in every facet. We've covered the quarterbacks. We've covered running. Let's talk about the receiving here. And in a game where you have the starters play and they play well, once again, who comes out with the highest stat line? Who comes out once again with a performance that we're still talking about following an incredible one last week? It's the rookie Khalil Shakir. Leads the whole team again in receptions and yards. This is now eight catches on eight targets for the kid. Three targets this week, this past week, three catches. Five targets last week, five catches. 59 yards this week with another long one, 25 yarders on one of those catches. Last week, he had a couple of long balls. You're not keeping him off the field. It's not happening. It's just, there's, there's just no way. There is just no way. And what I loved about this game, right, is you saw exactly what you expect out of your top two. Because right under Khalil in, these, in this game, as far as stats are concerned, there's your boys, Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. And Gabe Davis, you, 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 just, you just almost shed a tear on that touchdown because you know what he's got riding on him, on him this year. Like it's, it's just a huge year for him. And what he's coming off of last year, that performance, the ending of that season, the role he's going to have to play this year. You know he was all in in the offseason. He dropped 17 pounds. The guy looks like an absolute stallion. You look at him out on the field in person, the dude is just a athlete, bona fide. And he comes out, yeah, pick up right where you left off. Allen, just throw it up. I got you, man. Two for 47. Diggs, like I mentioned, had a nice uh, screen route from Allen to kick the game off, then a 25-yarder from Keenum. But they were just spreading the ball all over the place. All over the place in this game. You had, let's just, let's just go down the line here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You had 10 wide receivers with two or more catches in this game. 10 wide receivers with two or more catches in this game. Wealth was being spread. Once again, though, Khalil Shakir, it's just like, I don't understand. I don't understand how you... I mean, the guy, you can't tell me right now going into this season that he's not going to have a major impact on this offense. I just, how, how is, how, how could he not? The dude looks phenomenal. Phenomenal. Every time the ball is thrown to him, a play is made every single time. I thought Crowder looked great in this game. Only two targets caught him both. Two great catches, 21 yards. Hodgins, once again, bringing the energy. They're keeping seven, right? They have to. That's just the way I see it. O.J. Howard finally getting some, some burn. Didn't get any the week before. He scores a touchdown. Jury's out on what the O.J. Howard situation is going to be, in my opinion. I don't necessarily know what the overall plan is there thought he looked good in that game I'm not sure what to expect I don't think we've seen enough yet but I'm interested about that 
But as far as the overall wide receiver room is concerned, I mean, it, it, I, I just I'm beyond I'm beyond confident going into this season. And I know one of the areas that the fan base wanted to address was perhaps getting Allen another weapon. You had Diggs, you had Davis. Obviously, you have what Dawson Knox brought to the team last year, a great outlet for Buffalo. But I understood where Bills fans wanted to bring in another weapon. You can never have too many with a guy like Allen. That's what I said about the OBJ situation. I'm not going to knock down doors for it, but I'm not going to turn it down either if they bring him on. I understood where, you know, there there felt like there could be room for more. There always is. But you didn't want to go there. Why you didn't want to go round one. You couldn't. You needed a corner. Running back probably made more sense in round two, right? And that's what they wound up going with. Because you looked at the situation and you're like, well, we could probably use a lot more work on the on the running side of things than we could on the receiving side of things, at least right now. So you don't go wide receiver in round two. And then you start to think to yourself, all right, well, maybe it's not, maybe it's not an area that we really go in and and fill this year, at least to the extent in which we 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 think that they could. But no, they do take Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. They do go wide receiver. Okay, let's see what happens. And look at this. So now you got a third rounder in Gabe Davis and a fifth rounder in uh in Khalil Shakir. And I, I really do think that that's going to be two of the cornerstones of this offense moving forward. The kid, I, I, don't, I just don't know what else you could really say. What more were you expecting? And by, mind you, my, I messed up, by the way. Gabe Davis, fourth rounder. So you got a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder, right? And those are going to be two guys, maybe not this year. Maybe Shakir isn't the, the guy this year as far as him getting involved as much. I, I don't even know why I'm saying that. I, I'm trying to talk myself into thinking that because he's a rookie, he won't get involved as much. I just I don't want to even do that anymore. I got to stop doing that. I should just totally not even say that right now. Why am I saying that? I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to justify it in my mind, but that's stupid because he should be on the field. So what I should say is you're, you're probably going, no, not probably. You're going to have on this team, this season on the field, a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder who are going to be absolutely terrorizing D backs. And then digs, of course. And then I, I mean, I don't know. What's going on in the comments here? Commissioner asking Buffalo to play all games in the away stadiums to make it more fair. Yeah. Yeah, imagine. I'm just saying, coming here, saying Diggs, Davis, Knox, Shakir, Isaiah, Crowder, Cook, Singletary, a lot of mouths to feed. Hey, at the end of the day, if the, if the team wins, everyone's leaving full. I don't think anybody cares about their fair share of eats as long as they walk out of there with a W. Maybe Diggs would. But you probably should because you're wide receiver one. You're getting paid the most. You'd expect to get the ball the most. But even him, I don't know. The way he's been in Buffalo, I don't necessarily imagine that being a problem. He wants to win. We know that. A lot of mouths to feed, but I'd, ra- I'd much rather have mouths to feed than no mouths to feed at all. Because Allen's bringing a lot of food to the table, man. He's bringing a lot of food to the table. Somebody's got to eat it. And God knows back in the day, Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, they're not eating. Sorry, their, their, lips are sh- their lips are sealed. They're not eating. We got plenty of hungry boys on this team right now, and Allen's willing to dish out a plate to all these guys. Seriously. But I look at this wide receiver room right now. You're two preseason games in. Young guns are standing out. 
Last week, you have the cornerstones doing what we already expected them to do. And you combine that with what we've seen out of the run game, and then you combine that, of course, with Josh Allen. This offense is absolutely terrifying, folks. And that's why I can't wait for 17 nights from tonight because we're really going to be able to learn right off the bat against a real good L.A. defense if these boys are really bringing this to the table, what, we, what we're expecting. I think we're really going to get a real taste of that right off the bat. Because that offense is going to really need to show up against the Rams D. And they have in the past. I mean, you remember, what was it, two years ago? Rams, Bills in Buffalo. Yeah, it was during the COVID. Bills go up, and they go up and take a huge lead. Remember, they blew it in the second half. They won on that, uh, they won on that awful pass interference call against L.A. at the end. We've seen them take it to, the good, to a good L.A. defense in the past. But this is a whole other game. Opening night. And it's not just your opener. It's the NFL opener. They're going to have more viewers on that game than a Bills game has probably had in God knows how long. God knows how long. In a second here, we're going to bring on uh, my man, Ev. Ev Harrington, he's going to come on. I know he watched the game over the weekend. be nice to talk to somebody else, get their perspective, because I'm sitting here. I was sitting there by myself the other day, and I was having a field day just watching it and thinking, man, like, I don't even know what to say anymore. It got to the point on Saturday where I didn't know what to say. I haven't really been able to talk to anybody yet, so what better, what better uh, opportunity do I have than right now to talk to Ev, who I'm bringing on right now? Ev Dog. What's going Thanks on? On with me, brother. I appreciate it as always. I'm, I'm over here. I'm going nuts. I got so many things on Saturday to be excited about. Talk to me. Am I just am I just getting way too revved up right now? Or for you, was Saturday like a total extra jolt of energy that you didn't even know you needed until you had it? Uh, it was definitely an extra jolt of energy that I didn't have before. But then when I was watching that game in person at the stadium, just being around the fans and you know, just being there was just electrifying. I mean, that's what you're going to get when you're when you're at the stadium, when you're with Bills fans, when you're watching it, you know, with Bills Mafia, you're going to get the most electrifying crowd yeah. in the world. You know, not just the NFL, but the world, right? And, you know, everything you were saying was spot on, from the running backs to the receivers. Uh, I don't know what else you covered in the first 20 minutes of the show, but everything else you were saying was probably spot on. I mean, this running back group is something that we have not had in years. And it's even going, going back – and even going back to the shady years, you know, the shady McCoy years, I don't think we even had a deep running back group like that no. as much as we do now. Like, I, yeah, we had, you know, Sean McCoy, Carlos Williams, Mike Gilsley. Like, you had some guys, you know, you had shady and you had your guys. But now you have just a lot of running backs that you can just kind of mix it up with, yeah. you know, when you're running out there, uh, you know, with the offense. I mean, Devin Singletary, we know what he can do. We know what a healthy Zach Moss can do. You've seen at points in times where this guy is feasting in the red zone. That That's kind of his, his go-to, is being a very good red zone back. James Cook. I mean, right. you mentioned it. He's just different. He looks different. There's something about him that just is eyeballing, and it's like appealing to the eye. He's going to be special. And then you got your two guys, like you mentioned, lurking you know, from the backside in. And Duke Johnson and, and Raheem Blackshear. I mean – what do we do with Raheem Blackshear? I, I mean, you can know. say hey, whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about, you know, Duke Johnson, because like, again, he's not, he's nothing special. He's just a nice back to have. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, he had 200 yard rushing performances last year from Miami. He was doing a lot of work, uh, right. but now you have a guy in Raheem Blackshear. He's an NFL running back. He is an NFL running back. He is not a practice squad back. 
he is not a guy that you cut ties with before you, you know, before you get to the, the final cuts of the 53. I think he's a guy that is making a very strong case to be on this roster. And you see it week in and week out. He didn't have the biggest splash in, in the early parts of training camp, but yep. man, the opportunities he has gotten has been outstanding. And I, I kind of want to hear your take on this real quick. Sure. You see, like Elliot right here. Teach Blackshear to be a gunner and replace Taiwan Jones. Mm. What is your what is your thought of a lot of Bills fans trying to say get rid of Taiwan Jones and just replace him with bringing Blackshear? I, I I'm not for it, but I'm like, what what do you guys think? What do you think? I want to touch on that real quick though before we forget Scotty Blakely coming in, and I I kind of think this is a good one for you actually because I think the punt return situation a lot of times it's tough to tell on TV when you're in person you kind of get a better feel as to what went down in that particular circumstance they've been cycling a lot of different guys at the return um spot whether it be kick or punt what have you seen in person especially this past weekend that kind of gives you an inkling as to where you think the bills go in this particular move especially now you know Tavon austin austin off the table it's got to be somebody that we've already seen run in the spot yeah so i mean a lot of me wants to say they might just go back to Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Um, I mean, obviously, he took the opening kickoff uh, against the Broncos the other day, and it was really good. It looked it looked just what you're going to get out of a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. But at the same at the same time, do they want to you know go back to Isaiah? I mean, they want. I mean, you talk. You've seen Sean McDermott talk about it all year long. Is Isaiah McKenzie a full time slot receiver? Can he be a full time slot receiver? I don't know. Can he? I think he can be, but I think if you do that, you kind of take the returning game off his plate. So that's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a wishy-washy thing. Like, like, where are we going with Isaiah McKenzie here? Is he a, is he a returner slash part-time slot receiver, or is he a full-time slot receiver and not a returner? But then you look at guys like Khalil Shakir, who have gotten punt team reps, yep. you know, punt return reps. I think he could be a guy who's in the mix for it. Uh, we've seen James Cook get returning reps. We've seen Duke Johnson get returning reps. Yes. And he's had a couple of nice returns. I, I mean, it, it's it's really weird. Like, like I, you think by now there would be a number one returner. You think there would be a clear-cut option over all the others, and you have it. And we can't go back to Marquez Stevenson. He's out for a little bit. He probably won't even be ready for week one, you know, with his foot injury. But then you also go to Raheem Blackshear. This is the interesting player I'm talking about in Raheem Blackshear. Um, I don't think he will be the returner because I just don't know if he'll make the roster or not. But yeah. if he if he somehow could make his way onto the roster, I think he would be one of the two guys fighting for the returner spot. But this is kind of like not my dark horse pick for it because I simply cannot give you a straight answer of what they're going to do because I simply don't know. But I think they might do where they have James Cook as the kick returner and Khalil Shakir as the punt returner. Mm. I think they're going to go uh, two different returners, uh, one for kick, one for punt. I think that's what they do. Just because I, I simply don't know what type of direction they're going to go, I don't think they're going to keep a guy solely just for returning because I think, obviously, Duke Johnson can play special teams, but do you really need another special teams running back? I don't think you have the room for it either. That's the thing. You, you don't have the room, and I don't think you need it. No. And that's the, thing, that's the same thing with Raheem Blackshear and Duke Johnson. Yeah. I mean, what you, you keep two quarterbacks on the roster, you keep two tight ends in Reggie Gilliam. Like, like that's how you would have to keep, you know, one of these other running backs. I mean, you're gonna have to thin up another position to make another position deeper. So that's what you'd have right. to do. But at the same time, I, I really don't know 
what's going to go on through return position. I got to tell you, I don't even know if they know by now. Like you said, you'd think that you'd see some guy, whether, you know, out of the litany of guys you just listed, who I think have all had a good rep or two that we've seen. That's the thing, maybe. No one's really separated themselves. I don't think anybody looks particularly bad. Um, it's no, great. Somebody, you know, no, not everyone, like no one's Devin Hester, right? You're not just going to separate yourself super easily. They're, they're all athletic. They all could fill the role. That's why to me, you're not going to just keep a guy for the sake of him being on special teams. I think that was a big reason why you just let Tavon Austin go today. It wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to happen. What's the point of keeping him? He was never going to touch the field. He wasn't going to be on special teams. All right, forget it. Um, the McKenzie situation you bring up is a good point. I think he is a full-time slot receiver. And I think as he gets up there in age and also just as far as utilization is concerned, I don't know if that, if that factors well into him being the kick returner at the same time, I think he is one of the better options. And then when you're talking about Shakir, I just think right now he's so good at what he's been putting out on the field on offense. Another guy that you wonder as a rookie, do you want to be exposing him to kick returning? If you do look at him as a guy who could really be your, you know, one of your real future cornerstones at catching uh, the ball on the at the wide receiver spot. It's a really tough situation when you think about it. Um, McKenzie to me though, like you said, it does seem to make the most sense just because I think that I think personally he was doing a great job up until he lost the job after he fumbled the ball against Indianapolis. I think they kind of just bailed on him real quickly after that. Weren't really willing to give him any extra reps after that, but we, we know that he's capable of carrying that position. He's done it before. Yeah, no, he has. And, you know, I didn't like when they went away from him after that Hated one fumble. It, yeah. I thought I, I thought that was a very panicky move. Uh, I didn't like it. I, I mean, because when you look at that, they were like, okay, oh, he fumbled. Yeah. Every good returner, every solid returner has a flunk. They have a fluke moment, right? You, you can't expect perfection from the game of football. Mm -hmm. If we were expecting, you know, perfection from the game of football – Josh Allen wouldn't be throwing interceptions all year. I mean, the guy had what 13 last year. We aren't, you know, you don't see McDermott or whatever harping on that. Exactly. It's just because that's the way the game of football goes. I mean, there are going to be fumbles, uh, you know, when you have a returner. And, you know, again, McKenzie had a good amount of sizable returns last year. Yep. There's going to be a little bump in the road. So you just kind of kind of deal with that. You, if McKenzie is a full time returner next year, there might be a fumble. James Cook, same dip, same thing. Yep. Khalil Shakir, same thing. So just got to live with it. We got a little technical difficulties going on right here. Do you have me now? What the hell was that? Yeah, no, we're good. We're good, Zach. We're good. Nothing happened. I didn't lose anything. The mic just said no. Nope, we're 100%. We're, You're, we're good. We're rolling. Um, that's all right anyways because we are, we're hitting an hour and a half. We're getting towards the close here. We're about to close up shop tonight. But before we do, I wanted to bring you on, Ev, as we closed up to talk a bit about uh, what we saw on Saturday because we can talk about the offense all we want, but the, the best part about it is I think it's only positive things. It's ultimately who's going to wind up where, who could we see doing this for the Bills this coming season? You don't really take a whole lot of negative. Like I said earlier, like with the Chris Sims thing and, uh, and um, uh, Ken Dorsey, like you're really scraping the barrel trying to find something to, to be concerned about this coming season. That's how I feel about the offense right now. 
Looking at the defense, I think we've seen some extraordinary play out of guys that we are expecting to have real big years this year. Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Ed Oliver, of course, uh, Greg Rousseau, and then ultimately at the cornerback position, we've seen splashes from guys that we were really hoping can be effective on this team coming up. Big interesting point this this game in particular compared to last week was the fact that they did wind up starting Dane Jackson. And then the guy mirroring D- Dane Jackson was either Benford or Elam. You were in person at that game. Not sure if you really focused in on that position in particular, but from what I took from the original preseason game week one against the Colts, Dane Jackson not starting in that game told me he seems to have one of those spots wrapped up until, uh, until, Tredavious White comes back from what you saw from him over the weekend. Were you satisfied? Do you think that he's earned that right? And then when you see someone mirroring him like Benford, like Elam, what was your takeaway from those two tandems and which one did you think performed better? Uh, So to start off with the Dane Jackson take. um, So I actually had the fortunate enough uh, factor to sit row one right in front of Dane Jackson oh, watching him like right on the sideline. So oh, I can give great. you a little, little snippet right here, yeah. but going into the season, right? Trey white injured or not. I think Dane Jackson had a solidified locked up role, you know, coming into his third season here out of pit, Dane Jackson has played meaningful snaps for the Buffalo bills. He has had big moments for the Buffalo bills and he's shown that he has the capabilities of being a capable player uh, to play in this defense. Yes. So even if Trey white was, was healthy. I think he's still the CB two locked in no matter what we draft Elam or not. Uh, but now you're looking forward. Trey white's hurt. Uh, and Dane Jackson didn't play in the preseason week one. That just shows me that they, 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 they feel like he has that solidified CB one spot until yeah. Trey white comes back. And and I'm all for it. He deserves it. He's the veteran guy. It is his cornerback spot. Like he is the CB one right now. Uh, during the game, I thought there were certain moments where he looked good. Uh, there was a nice pass breakup. I'm, I'm obviously sure you saw it, where it was a nice crossing route. Man coverage. Yep. Dean Jackson jumped right on the ball, broke it, broke right on it as the you know the ball was getting to the receiver, made a nice play on it. I thought that you know showed his recovery skills, recovery skills and showed his hustle on the play. Uh, that's what I liked. And there was two plays in particular right on the sideline right in front of me. Uh, the one got called for, I believe, pass interference. Uh, it looked like they kind of tripped up with one another uh, with their feet. But I liked how Dane Jackson was right there. He's not afraid to play physical, and he was, you know, in that right mentality to jump the route, and he was going for the football. I thought that was good. And then the other one was when Kendall Hilton made that one-hand snag on him, but it was, you know, called out of bounds. Uh, But I just like how, you know, tight he was on the receivers. Uh, He's not playing off. He's playing physical right up front, and I think that's great. I, the one thing you take away from both Benford and Elam as well as they've been playing, they have each had their penalty come out uh, at some point in the game the last two weeks. I think you expect that from the the rookie play. I mean, with Elam, of course, two weeks in a row, I don't worry about it. I think that's just a process of going through. But what you just said kind of stood out to me. So as far as what you have seen, especially with a view like you had Saturday, um, it doesn't matter, Tredavious White's, status you have Dane Jackson penciled in at CB2 no matter what yeah I I mean Dane Jackson is in my opinion far ahead far far ahead as of right now 
over guys like Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford. And I'm not saying that can't change down the line. You know, say Tredavious White comes back week five, week six. Mm-hmm. By week 10, Dane Jackson isn't looking up to par for the CB2. Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford are becoming more, you know, more comfortable in their role. Maybe those guys, you know, take a, take a step up and get, you know, retain that CB2 role. But between when I'm looking at, you know, Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam, those two guys are really just fighting for the CB2 spot for right now. Yeah. And I think as of right now, they are probably going to do a rotation. I, I This is my like weird prediction for the season. I think the Bills defensive backfield might run a rotation sort of like the defensive line. You know, and I don't know if they're going to do this or not just because it could be schematically easy for an offense to sense. But when they run some man coverage downs, they might throw Elam in there. When they run some zone, they might throw Benford in there. It's just to kind of mix it up a little bit because you obviously know that Kyrie Elam coming out of college was this outstanding press man corner. But at the same time, he's not that great of a zone corner compared to being a a top-end press man corner. But then Christian Benford's kind of your all-around, very good on the ball, attacks the attacks the receiver at the, the catch point. He does it all. He's a better zone corner than Elam. But the one thing that I take away from Elam, he obviously had another penalty last week. Mm-hmm. It's just, man, you got to keep those hands down. You cannot yeah. get those flags. And I get it. He's learning. He's only played two games with the Buffalo Bills thus far. But I th- I know Rico was mentioning this uh, weeks ago, that one of those flags can kill us. Yeah. One of those flags can really set us back. And I don't want to just look at Kyrie Elam and just be like, hey, I feel like a flag's coming on you you know, this drive right. just because of the way you play. But, you know, it can also benefit you, but it also can hurt you. But I think when he fixes that up, he will have the clear-cut role as the CB2 over Christian Benford just because I don't think Sean McDermott looks at draft position and values, okay, one's drafted in the first round, one's drafted in the sixth. You're going to play just because you're drafted in the first. Absolutely. I think Sean McDermott looks at the best player. I think the best player as of right now is a mix of both. They both have played up to – you know, high standards, but it's really just, you can also match up dictated too. You yeah. know, if this is a certain receiver, maybe Elam plays same with Benford. You'd never know. But I, I think as of right now, Elam's got the slight edge uh, just because of the way he plays. Totally agree. Uh, before we wrap up here, I want to touch on one more aspect of the defense. I think the pressure being brought by the D line thus far, these first two preseason games, has been everything we've been hoping for. I mean, we've been seeing a lot of it. Guys really doing a great job of getting in on the quarterback. It seems like each week has been a different situation. This past weekend in particular, I thought Shaq Lawson really stood out. Thought he looked terrific. AJ Epinesa was able to get in there a few more times than I thought he was able to the week prior. But the one thing I love about this D line up until right now is you never really know who it's going to be. I said last week you could close your eyes put your hand in the uh, a hat, pull a name out, and you can expect a guy to make a, a play on this D-line. That's just kind of where it's gotten to. What have you seen, especially in person? I really like being able to get your perspective from being actually in the stands. What have you seen, especially on Saturday, from this D-line that you took away as a positive and then maybe something you saw that you may or may not be concerned about moving forward. I've seen a lot of positives out of this D-line, but interested to see what you saw on Saturday and kind of how that affects the season as we get close here. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this D-line, I think there's about nine guys who are solidified and penciled in to make the roster. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, you got guys like Mike Love and K- 
Kingsley, yeah. Jonathan. But other than that, I mean, there's only certain players on this D line that are going to get, you know, uh, snaps. I, I mean, Ely Anku and Prince Emil uh, have played very well too. And that, you I know, agree. that's, 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 and Brandon Bryant, like those are three interior guys uh, that played very well Saturday. And I mean, I don't know. Are they going to make the roster? Maybe, maybe not. Like, I don't know. They're, they're the fifth, sixth and seventh D tackles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll make the roster. I mean, some of those guys will obviously be, be penciled in on the practice squad, but those three guys really stood out to me this past Saturday. They just all pressured the quarterback. Well, they were really good at stopping the run. They were just, you know, using their big bodies to fill those gaps uh, that the offensive line was trying to create. Uh, but another offense or defensive lineman that I was really uh, outstanding, out, really just blown away by watching was Shaq Lawson. Yeah, totally. You like, so again, like you mentioned the watching in person thing, you obviously saw on TV Shaq Lawson just flying all over the field, whether he was batting down passes, stopping guys, you know, at the line of scrimmage that were, you know, when they were running the ball, just doing it all. Mm-hmm. Shaq Lawson just looked like a different player. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember that Shaq Lawson when he was here two, three years ago. I don't remember that. The Shaq Lawson I remember was a guy who was a good run defender and you know got to the quarterback six times a year. I don't remember the Shaq Lawson batting down passes, almost having a chance to get a pick six. I don't remember that guy. Like I, I like that Shaq Lawson. There was two drives in a row where he just completely dominated. I think it was the Broncos' second and third drive consecutively. He was just all over it. And then like what you were talking about there, he had that beautiful tip up in the air. But he was either getting all the way in and wrecking the play or doing like like what you just said, completely flipping the field. And I agree with you. I mean, that's something that I don't know if we've seen before, nor were we expecting. But it just goes back to my point. I'm sure you've seen the same. There are so many guys on this D-line right now that you can expect to see something out of up until this point. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Like, I mean, you, you, you go down it, you got your Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, right. Boogie Basham, H.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Mike Love. I mean, those are six defensive ends. Yeah. And then, you know, you got your interior guys, Taquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, Brandon Bryant. Like, that's 11 players right there. I think two of those guys are going to have to get cut. How do you cut ties with two of those guys? I know. Like, two of those guys are valuable players that have been playing very well in preseason, and I know. They went up against the second and third string offensive line for the for the Broncos. I don't care. I know. I, I really don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, these are NFL players getting bullied by other NFL players. I mean, again, you know, like they are playing well against their competition, and that's what stands out to me. That's all you can ask for out of your guys in preseason when you're watching them play. If they are playing well and standing up against the competition they are going against, they are doing their job, and that is giving me more anticipated hope you know, for the season, because I mean, under the Sean McDermott era, they have not had a defensive line. I'm sorry. They they have just not had a defensive line. Oh. They've had an average defensive line, but they haven't had one. They've had no, that they've had no edge pressure. Game right? They've had no ability yeah. to get after the quarterback. We know that. Yeah, That's never why had. this is so impressive. Like I said, I mean, you, there are so many different guys now, and we haven't even had the opportunity to talk about Von Miller because he hasn't been out there. It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, the amount of things that we have at our disposal now, at positions in which you'd never thought they'd have anything, the D-line and the running back in particular, right? You, you just didn't think at a certain point, maybe a year ago, you'd sit here and be saying what we're saying now, where it's like, okay, any running back that you've seen thus far, you have confidence in to go and do something, right? Any defensive lineman you've seen up until this far, you have confidence to go in and do something. And like you keep alluding to, it's like, how do you keep who and what and, and who do you get rid of? It's a problem you want to have. What the crazy part is that I don't really know how, how you solve it. 
there's some guys right now that like, like we were talking about with Blackshear. How do you see what he's done and, and tap out? You know how you solve it? You do what we did today, what we did with Cody Ford. You yeah, trade him. Yep. You get some value while you can. Because you're going to get no value sending these guys on your practice squad. Right. Because you know what? Some NFL GM and executive is going to call them. Be like, hey, you know, we got a spot on our 53 for you. Yeah. And they're gone. You don't get you don't get draft composition for them. You know, you trade them away like you did with Cody Ford. Yeah. I mean, heck, we didn't think Cody Ford would get a fifth round pick. What do you think of maybe a guy like Duke Johnson? Duke Johnson might be a, a fifth, sixth round pick. Who knows? I mean, Brandon Bryant, Eli Anku, those guys might be, you know, you worth find something. the right partner. Like, you, you know, never the, know. The Cardinals were a perfect partner. I mean, they're decimated on the line. Brandon Bean, I thought it was a per- perfectly executed. You know, oh, it's phenomenal. Ford goes out, looks well Saturday. The Cardinals are in a real down spot at the line. They know they can't keep as many guys as they have lined up right now. Ford wasn't going to fit into that lineup. Boom, fifth rounder. I mean, you can't beat that. So, yeah, I mean, plus right. he played with Kyler and Hollywood Brown too. Exactly. I mean, they have got yeah. to have to find a way to protect Kyler, especially after the money they just paid him. And obviously they're hoping to get more out of him than the Bills did, but they had to do something. And a great move by Bean. I know it looks like not a whole lot when you get a fifth rounder and you don't think about all that much. Hey, a fifth rounder is Kyrie Elam. Think about it like that. When you're talking about a guy in, in you know, Cody Ford, who probably wasn't going to see the field much this year, if they did wind up keeping him, didn't look likely anyways. But if you can get something, a fifth rounder can be your Kyrie Elam. It was this past fifth, year. Fifth rounders are phenomenal. I mean, you, you look at how well Sean right, McDermott and Brandon By Bean, the way, hold on. I keep Christian Benford. I meant, Shakir. Yeah, I, I said last week, I am going to do that all year. Khalil uh-huh. Shakir, Kair Elam. I don't know why, but it's the Khalil and the Kair. Oh, I yeah. am screwing that up like you wouldn't believe. So caught myself again. We're going to work on it. Sorry, I keep going. I just wanted to correct myself. because I'm like, oh, we got Kair Elam in the fifth, and somebody's going to be like, no, we, we do, first round, bot. what the hell are you doing? But what I meant to say, yeah. that you can get, and like, like Scotty's saying, right? Yeah. You can get. Shakir, you can get Milano. The, the fact that they got a fifth for Cody Ford, when you know damn well they were probably just going to move off of him anyways. Well, yeah, no, no, it was actually it was actually funny. I was doing my my radio show today, and we were talking about potential candidates to get moved because obviously you can't keep every guy. And I just right. mentioned a couple guys might get thrown up on the trade block. An yeah. hour later, look who's on the trade block. Look who gets moved: Cody Ford for a fifth round pick. And I think they just asked, you know. Just, you just have to go and look at a guy like uh, Brandon Bean and just give him all the props in the world. Like you look back at what Cody Ford was a couple of years ago, you know, this high end touted draft pick 38 overall, basically a first round pick drafted in the second round. Bills fans were hyped. Everyone was hyped. You sure. know, you got this potential franchise guard just didn't live up to the hype going into year four, just wasn't able to really make this roster. And, you know, Brandon Bean said, Hey man, like we're going to send you out for a fifth round pick and we're going to get value for you. And at the end of the day, you got a fifth round pick again, guys like Stefan Diggs were fifth round picks. Scott mentioned it. Yep. Matt Milano was a fifth round pick. And you know what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done with late round picks in the past. I mean, you know, Kalosh Shakir fifth round pick. I mean, all, all our guys are, you know, Gabe Davis was a fourth round pick. I mean, all, all right. of our guys are late to mid round picks and they just turn out to be studs. Love it. Evan, thank you. So was you uh you going out to Carolina Friday? Knowing you, I figured you got your plane booked up yet, or what do you what do you got going? Yeah, no, I mean, hey, if anyone here is watching, if you want to buy me a ticket and you know pay for my flight, I'll just get the hotel. Uh, I'll gladly go out to Carolina and watch the Bills spank the spank the Panthers. But uh 
Well, no, I will not. The, uh, the newly crowned uh, Baker Mayfield led Carolina Panthers. Wonder if we'll see a little bit of him on Friday night, by the way. I presume you, I presume you would, um, you know, that being the last preseason game before the regular season, I think you give him a couple reps. It'll be interesting. Good for, good for Baker. I think he's earned the job. We'll see. Uh, I'm more interested for that week one. I mean, it makes week one a little bit more enticing. He's going to go against the Cleveland Browns and uh, Jacoby Brissett as of right now. We'll see what happens, but Ev, thank you, brother. I'm going to close this one Thanks out. Ev, as always, bringing the great insight, especially the in-person insight. You can't beat that. We always got somebody there, and Evan, he doesn't miss a beat. He lives right down the street from the stadium, so it's perfect. He's there. Inside info from right at the stadium. You'll love to see it. And uh, if only we could get him out to Carolina next week. But that's our first and only road game of the preseason, and then that's it. The preseason is over. We got a nice week to kind of get our thoughts together, calm, cool, collected, and then it's time to get after it, baby. 17 nights from tonight. By the time Thursday rolls around two weeks, we are after it. I cannot wait. That's going to do it for tonight, folks. Thanks so much, as always, for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with me. I know it was a different setting, a different time, but you guys are always ready for anything, and I always appreciate that. Thanks so much. Be back again next Monday night. As always, normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We'll talk about Bills, Panthers, our takeaway from that Friday night matchup, the last preseason game of the year. And then by that time, we should start to see the 53-man roster form, and we're going to be getting into some pre-Rams talk. By that point, that's the next step. I can't wait for it. I'll see you next Monday night. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Enjoy the rest of your week. We got Rev. On Wednesday, Rico, tomorrow, and Friday. Make sure to check out everybody this week. Hit that like button on your way out. Hit that subscribe button on your way out if you haven't. Ring the bell. And we're out. Go Bills. And congrats again to the new nurse, Nurse Carol. If anybody needs to be resuscitated at One Bills Drive, she's your girl. I know I'm going to keep her right next to me for that exact reason. Thanks, as always, everybody, for tuning in. Much, much love. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next Monday night for another edition of the Smoke Break. Until then, you know what I got to say. You want to say it for me? Go Bills. Go Bills. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.